it, it would almost be insulting. I feel like is if I explained it to someone as like, Oh yeah, they run our Facebook ads for us because like that to me, that would, if I owned platform, like I would be insulted. But if somebody said like, Oh yeah, they run our Facebook ads for us. Cause it's so much more than that. It's a group of agents from around the company, around the country who are all like-minded. Nobody is competing with each other because we all have exclusivity in our market. So everyone shares ideas, you copy each other, you know, you can do so many different things and apply it to your market. This is the Platform Marketing Show, where we interview the most creative and ambitious real estate agents in the country, dissect their local marketing strategy, and get the behind the scenes scoop on how they're generating listing leads and warm referrals. We'll dive into the specifics of what marketing campaigns are working for them, how much they're spending on those campaigns, and figure out how they have perfected what we call the platform marketing strategy. This is your host, Tim Shermack. I'm the founder and CEO of Platform. I love marketing and I talk too much. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Platform Marketing Podcast, where we talk with ambitious real estate agents, learn the local marketing strategies that they are using to grow their business. And so on today's show, we have Leslie and Steve Remy. This is a husband and wife uh, powerhouse team in McKinney, Texas, Collin County, Texas, kind of a outer suburbs of, of, of the Dallas area. And they have, they've had really, really impressive business growth in the last couple of years, you know, so we're not talking about going from, you know, 50,000 a year in GCI to a hundred thousand or going from a hundred thousand to 150,000. Their, their business growth has been even more impressive than that. And one of the really cool things that we'll be learning today is how they did all that without also increasing their expenses. Because, you know, so often we see, you know, we see agents talk about building, building mega teams and, you know, getting 10 buyers agents on your team. And then you basically are building out like a call center where you have multiple ISAs, you're paying full time to follow up with leads and you have an army of uh, transaction coordinators and it becomes this big, you know, beast of an organization with really high fixed expenses. So you almost have to be closing hundreds of deals a year just to pay your expenses because your you know monthly payroll ends up being so expensive. Leslie and Steve have really hit the sweet spot where they've added expenses and they've invested in key, you know, marketing expenses and team members and things like that when it made sense, but their expenses never increased in a linear fashion necessarily with their with their income. So the income has always been growing without, you know, a correlating increase in their expenses. And that's really how you should be doing it. Obviously, you want to maintain high margins in your business, high, uh, high, high profit margins, or else what's the point? And so uh, welcome to the show, Steve and Leslie. I'm really excited to dive in, learning more about your entrepreneurial journey. First, let me just ask you the question, how did you guys get into real estate? Because I know that, you know, when either of you were little kids, if someone would have asked you, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, you probably said, I want to be a cowboy or I want to be an astronaut or I want to be the president of the United States of America. Most kids aren't saying, I'd like to be a licensed real estate agent affiliated with the National Association of Realtors. You know, uh, how did you how did you find yourself being a real estate agent as an adult? Like, uh, tell me about that. Well, funny that you should ask. I always wanted to be in retail because I loved the beep of the scanner every time something was sold when it passed by when I was a little kid. So I always knew that that was a driving force for me. But 
kind of a funny story. I knew nothing about real estate, um, zero. Never even knew a realtor growing up. My parents still live in the same home I was born in. Um, so I, <laughs> yes, um, still to this day. So the only time I'd ever moved in my life was when I went to college and lived in an apartment. And that just wasn't the same either. So, so this is this is definitely not one of those situations where you come from a real estate family where your parents were realtors and it was just the family business. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so Stephen and I were in college. Um, this is 2002. We were engaged. Um, Stephen was getting ready to commission to the Air Force out of A&M. And I was at Baylor. We... This is right after 9-11 happened. He goes to the Air Force, our first duty station. We get we graduate, we get married. Our first duty station is in Alamogordo, New Mexico. So I just graduated from the business school at Baylor, having no idea where we were going. So I had no plans for a job. Um, we finally get to the desert of New Mexico. And um, all of our friends that we had made out there had just graduated from colleges. And we're all trying to figure out what we we're going to do in this tiny town that, you know, you either were a teacher or you worked at the bank or, you know, what were you going to do? And I had a friend that got a job selling ads for the local newspaper. And so she said, I met this um, wonderful lady. She owns a mortgage broker or a real estate brokerage and you should come see her. And she's looking for somebody to be her receptionist. You should go meet her. And I'm like, okay, so I have no idea what a real estate brokerage is, but I'll go talk to her and um, right, I right. need a job and Steven's making, you know, $24,000 a year or something. And we're living on that, but we think, you know, life's and he's great. in the air force. He's in the air force. Yeah. So her name was Joe Carnes and I went to meet with Joe and she said, I just need somebody to sit here and be my receptionist. Um, back at that time, if you needed anything, real estate or a lease, or you need to sell, like you went into the office, that was the only option. So I was, um, started being her receptionist and she said, if you will do, um, get your license, I'll pay for it and you can become a real estate agent and I'll start giving you all of my VA foreclosures that I don't want to work and you can work those for me because she was a broker and she'd been doing it a long time and didn't want to work those anymore. And so I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that means, but sure. That sounds great. And so I did and um, got my license. She started giving me all of her VA foreclosures. Um, my very first sale was a 1976 single wide mobile home. And um, so that was, I mean, probably a huge commission check, right? It was $543. <laughs> <laughs> I only worked four months to get paid on that. So, um, so it was great. Life was good. I think I was closing about four deals a month with her um, at that time. So that's how I got started in real estate and kind of the rest is history from there. So that's how you got started. Uh, and this whole time, Stephen, your husband was was in the Air Force. Was he planning on being in real estate long term while he was in the Air Force or what was going on in Steve's mind in, in terms of his career this whole time? I had no idea what I was going to do. Like I was just, I was in the air force doing my job. Um, I was gone more often than not. So um, I ended up staying in for five years <clears throat> of those five years. I was gone for three. So I was just one of those guys. If I was in it, 
I, I had to be in it all the way. So I was volunteering for deployments, volunteering for trainings. So I was hardly ever home. Um, and I was really just focused on that. And I had, I still had no idea about anything real estate related other than the stories I would hear from Leslie when she came home. And, you know, at that point it was a pretty hot market in Alamogordo actually where we lived. Um, a lot of investor clients wanted to buy homes with pools because you could rent the homes out. There's a German Air Force Base actually on Holloman Air Force Base um, in Alamogordo. And the German government would actually pay their soldiers more money if they rented a home with a pool. And so all the investors wanted to snap up those homes. And it was just, she would come home and tell me stories about, I mean, nearly fist fights of course she was never involved in one but there was some you know there was a few names in town it was a small town and you knew that um they were i guess you'd call them the crazy ones uh she would just tell me those stories and i'm like well, that's interesting and so uh but i had never thought about real estate um we had you know we met a few investors and we thought about buying an investment property for ourselves but you know, at that point in time, we were 22. Um, this was in 2002. And it was just like, you know, we were living on base for free. Neither of us had ever bought a home. Um, and it, it was just a lot, you know, looking back, I wish I would have done it. But um, it was just a lot at the time and really had no um, interest in the complexities of that stuff, especially knowing that in two years, we'd be on to the next state and on, or, you know, whether that was stateside or overseas, we didn't know where we were going. So, um, sure. Yeah. It's going to share a fun tidbit story from back in, in those days, like 2002, 2004. Um, we were just babies, just graduated college, just gotten married. And I was already kind of learning the ropes of real estate. And, um, what I thought was really fun and interesting is the, um, stealth 117, were flying out of Holloman and that was the only place they were flying out of. And so the stealth pilots were there and they started getting into real estate and buying properties for the German air force um, members to lease from them. And so I was getting their repeat business because we would buy over and over and over again with the stealth pilots. Um, so that was just a really, really fun gig to get to know those guys. And, um, then when we eventually moved from there um, and got stationed at in Denver, I transferred my license, but I wanted to still be able to work with my stealth pilots. So I got my mortgage license and then they were still buying property at Holloman. But anyway, so then I was still able to work with the stealth pilots um, for years after that. So what what is like the difference about like the stealth pilots versus a normal uh a normal pilot just for like the lay people that maybe don't know all the intricate details of air force air force lingo they're highly specialized so once they became the cream of the crop of flying those stealths um that's where they stayed and that's the only base they were flying out of so very unusual to be in the military and be stationed at one location for six seven eight years so that's why they were investing there is because one, there was nothing else to do in Alamogordo, New Mexico, so why not? <laughs> um, but they were there for the long haul. So maybe this is a question for Steve, and I'm just interested in this. What What is like the physical difference of like a stealth aircraft versus a normal military aircraft? 
So the stealth aircrafts had a lot of technology. <clears throat> those those 117s have since been retired, but during that time they were, you know, top of the line stuff. They were, um, you know, they have special coatings. They're shaped in special ways, which keeps them from being um, caught on enemy radar. They uh, carry payloads of certain bombs that other planes can't carry. There's certain things like they fly, they, they call it fly-by-wire. So um, the inputs, it's some cars are becoming that now. You know, the inputs are not manual. When you move um, any of the, uh, you know, like you would consider like the old uh, joystick or whatever to fly a plane, it's not connected to cables that are run down the length of the plane and are connected sure, sure. to the rudders and flaps and all that. It's just, it's all electronic. Um, they have some special radars on them. There's, there's all kinds of things. And in order to fly those types of things, like Leslie said, it's, um, it's very intense training. It's very specialized. And uh, those guys did it day in, day out. And, you know, I think when, when you get to that level, um, there's a little, it's almost like, I mean, there's a little bit of crazy in you, you know, and uh, we saw that crazy come out uh, at the late nights at the officers club and such. It was, they were a fun group to party with. And, you know, this is the same group that when, uh, when the Iraq war kicked off in 2003, they were the ones like that. The, there was two pilots. There was three of them that dropped the first bombs on Baghdad, but there was two that were the fighter squadron commanders that we hung out with quite a bit. And these were the guys that went over there and did that. And, uh, you know, we were hung, hung, hanging out with them weeks later and they're just, um, you have to have a certain mentality to be able to do those things. And these guys definitely had it. So they, they were definitely a fun bunch to, um, to hang out with. They were very intelligent. Most any pilots that you meet are highly, highly intelligent people. And, it, and it's, you know, it comes with all things, um, not just in the planes they fly, just it's all worldly things they're intelligent with. Um, real estate investing just happened to be this group's, you know, that's what they got into. One of them got into it and uh, convinced the others to get into it. And then they started asking Leslie for help with that. And next thing you know, they're going from houses to apartments, um, small apartments to large apartments. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, that you have to be super intense to be one of those types of pilots. So I think anything they feel that is worthy of taking on their time, they get very deep into it and just go full throttle all the way. So whether that's being a pilot for the military or investing in real estate, there's, you know, it's binary with them. There's no middle ground. They're either on or they're off and they were on piloting and they were on real estate investing too. So it's just neat to see that. And like like so many things in life, uh, you know, when you when you when you look back at how you became realtors and got into real estate, it wasn't part of some big master plan, you know, that you sketched out when you were 18 and 19 of here's how I'm going to build my career. You know, it's just one thing led to another. And this opportunity that you maximized led to another opportunity that you maximized, And that led to another thing. And I'm I'm assuming that moving around a couple times probably influenced your decision of, hey, maybe I actually do want to do this for the rest of my life being a realtor because you probably moved more than the average person. So you had a little bit of experience with just the whole process of 
of moving, right? So Steve and Leslie, let's fast forward to the future. Let's fast forward to the present day. Uh, you know, you had this military background, you're moving all across the country. I'm, I'm assuming that that probably influenced maybe your feelings of, you know, Hey, maybe we can actually make real estate our career. Like maybe we can do this for a living, right? It wasn't part of any master plan, but you know, being a military family and having that experience of moving around and seeing so many other people constantly moving around, frankly, you just had more experience in moving and seeing what that looked like. And so it kind of makes sense maybe in hindsight that you were destined for career, uh, a career as a realtor. So let's fast forward to the present day. Where's your business at now? Uh, the uh, first question I want to ask you, because I love talking about numbers, is what was, what was the GCI last year? Uh, so last year, the brokerage had GCI right around the $700,000 mark. That's awesome. And that's split amongst how many team members, you know, including you guys? Um, including us, there would be for last year, there would have been five agents. So, um, the two of us and then three additional agents, um, we've grown since this time, but, um, but yeah, this year will be a little bit different. I'll let, I can get, let Leslie get into those numbers. Yeah. Cause you are in the process of expanding right now and growing. And those are, those are really impressive numbers too. I want to bring attention to that because, you know, so often we hear people talk about, oh, I've built a team of, you know, I brought on two buyer's agents or five buyer's agents or 14 buyer's agents or whatever it is. And then you start talking about the actual numbers of what the GCI is. And you're like, oh, well, you have a lot of agents, but there's not a lot of transactions going on. Or you hear this number that sounds really impressive, like, oh, we had $700,000 in GCI, which sounds terrific. And then you find out that that was you know, split amongst 20 people. And so it's really not as much money as it sounded like when you just quoted this big, impressive gross revenue uh, number. But you guys have put up very impressive, uh, profitable numbers without having a huge team, without having a ton of expenses. Uh, what does the process look like from when you guys just started out as, you know, individual agents? Because at first it was just Leslie, right? Steve wasn't a licensed agent. It was just Leslie. Um Tell me about like the first year that you were in real estate, Leslie, like how many houses did you sell? What was the GCI then? And how did you scale? How did you, how did you grow? So let's start with our first year with the brokerage here in Texas. Um, it started just me. We were in 2012. We had finally moved back to Texas and we're out of the military. So we weren't moving around anymore. So um, we knew we were here to stay got my license in 2012 and we opened Astra Realty, our brokerage. And at that time I was just planning on, I'd already had about 10 years of experience in real estate. And so I was planning on it just being me and both Steven and I both come from entrepreneurial backgrounds in our families. And so we knew we wanted to have our own business and, but we weren't planning on growing it really from there. So Steven's so you basically, father. you just got licensed as a broker because you didn't want to pay all the fees and commission splits to some other broker. So you just decided to cut out the middleman. Was that kind of the mentality? Yeah. The funny part is Steven's dad had gotten his license years before, but he was retired and, you know, just did it if family member needed him to help that kind of thing. And so he had had his license in Texas for three years at the time, and they didn't require you to have a bunch of, you know, sales and things like that 
what's required today. And so I talked him into going and sitting for the broker's exam, even though he'd only sold like two houses and that was for his <laughs> one was his own um, at the time. So I got him to take the broker's exam. So he became licensed as a broker. I got my real estate license because you had to have three years of a license before you could sit for the broker exam. So, um, so that's how I was able to start Astra solely because he was my broker. And so it was just me. And um, so I'm, you know, brand new to the area, um, not new to real estate, but new to our McKinney market. And um, I started, you know, just hitting the ground running and was getting to the point where I was selling 20, 24 houses a year just from my sphere. Um, of course, that all started with, you know, a couple the first year, you know, four or five the next year, and just repeatedly doubled every single year for, for many, many years. Um, and then. And that Stephen was basically Pat just by getting like more referrals and your sphere was growing. Is that just kind of like the yes. organic process of, you know, as you meet more people, they refer more people to you. You weren't, you weren't necessarily back then like investing a ton of money into lead generation or marketing campaigns or anything like that. None. None at all. That was just organic growth of, I sold two houses this year. They each referred me to people. So next year I sold what six houses, you know, sure, and then sure. growing that way. So I was closing probably 20, 24 houses a year, um, which was the most I could really handle with top, you know, two toddlers and um, our own home. And Stephen had a full-time job in law enforcement and we were, he had gotten licensed so he could help me open doors when I needed to. He was always kind of the driving force behind the the business side of our brokerage. Um, got licensed somewhere along the way. So I'm go I'm going and you know doing as much as I can possibly do and working like a crazy person. And then Stephen comes to me one day and it's like, Hey, I just talked to this guy that I found on the internet. And he has this book called High Hanging Fruit. And he knows all about Facebook um, advertising. And I think we should talk to him. He owns a company called Platform. And I'm like, okay. And I'm real conservative on spending money. I say I'm the money hoarder. Steven's the spender in a good way, like in a business type way. <laughs> and um, so he said, I can't remember. It was like, several thousand dollars. And he said, I'm, I'm going to go spend a day with them in Florida, this guy's condo. And I'm gonna learn how to do Facebook advertising. And I'm like, Oh, Lordy. And, and in my mind, I'm calculating how many houses do I need to sell to, you know, make up for this. I'm like, okay, I gotta sell one house. <laughs> if this goes bad, I don't, we don't ever make it back. This is how we're going to do it. And that's how I always calculate, like how much commission do I need to make to, for it to be a good investment. But anyway, so, um, so Tim, Stephen goes and meets you um, in Spoiler Naples. alert, spoiler yeah, alert, this, this spoiler person alert. is me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he's like, it's Tim Shermack platform. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, hope you we see you again when you come back. But <laughs> um, so he went, of course, you guys had a great day. He learned so much. Um, then he came back and started trying to do it all himself. And of course we were really, he was really wanting our market, but somebody already had it. Um, and with the market exclusivity, we weren't able to get it. And so we kept waiting and waiting. And then one day, um, you, you had called Steven and said, 
your market is open. Do you want it? Steven comes to me. I remember the day I'm like standing in the bedroom and he's like, our market is open for platform. We're going to take it. And I'm like, and how much is that a month? And it's, you know, I'm like, we're always really nervous to spend anything. If it had been a hundred dollars, I'd have been nervous about it. Um, so he's like, we're, I don't care. We're doing it. And I'm like, cause he's like, if anybody else gets our market, I'm just going to be so upset. So we are doing this. And, um, and just for the record, I cannot get away with that in anything else in life, like in our life <laughs> together. I don't just like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Because <laughs> Then I'll be sleeping at the bottom of our pool, um, like she likes to tell me sometimes. So, uh, but in business, uh, she trusts me so that I can say stuff like that. So yeah. I haven't let her down yet. And yeah. some, I- some, some context around that, you know, for those who aren't familiar with platform, is you know we are we are a marketing program for realtors, but what makes us different from all the other companies, you know, that are marketing systems for agents, whether it's Boomtown, Curator, Commissions Inc., Zillow, Realtor.com, Ylopo, et cetera, is we only work with like one realtor per city. So it's not just per zip code or anything, but it's per per city area. And so they had come in contact with us as Leslie, you know, was saying. And, you know, apparently it sounds like maybe you were impressed with some of the marketing tips that we taught you, but your area that you lived in we already had a client that we were working with. And so you weren't able to sign up. You wanted to. And we said, no, we're sorry. Actually, your territory is already taken because we are very, very strict on that. We're very exclusive. We don't make exceptions. Um, if we already have a client in your area, we protect them. You know, as long as they're with us, we're not going to take other clients. And so as you're saying, all of a sudden one day that market opened up. And this conversation ensued. It sounds like it wasn't really a conversation as more as Steve telling you, (laughs) we are going to do this. Yeah. He knows that I trust him. And and like I say, in my mind, I just have to figure out, you know, how many houses I need to sell to make me feel better. But I always trust him. And if it wasn't for him pushing, pushing the, um, you know, the expenses to grow our business, I would never have grown a business. That's, um, that's always been him you know, moving that along. So, and so this was, this was really one of the first times, if I'm understanding it correctly, that you had really ever spent money on marketing or advertising. Cause you had essentially organically, which is by the way, really impressive. You had organically grown your business to selling 20, 25 homes a year. And so you were going from basically spending zero on marketing to platform, which I think at the time was like $1,600 a month. So it wasn't like Steve's like, Hey, I want to spend a couple hundred dollars on this. This was like a major investment to you. At the Absolutely. Time. We had never spent any, I mean, I did a Zillow for a couple of months and well, maybe six months, let's say. And I exactly broke even on what I spent versus what, you know, the commissions that we made. And so after that, I'm like, there's, you know, why am I breaking even that's silly. And so that's the only investment we had ever made. And I did that for six months and that was it. So. And um, Steve and then, at the time was, he was not a realtor, right? He was full-time law enforcement. He was full-time law enforcement, but he did have a real estate license. Okay. At the time. Okay. Um, But, and he can speak more to this, but talking about, you know, he had learned so much from you from, you know, spending a day or two or, you know, whatever you did, but you, had given him so much information, so much knowledge, taught him so much about Facebook and how to do the advertising yourself. But still just watching him do it from, I mean, it was his 10 PM to 2 AM job, literally. And we had, you know, toddlers and he had a full-time job and we had a you know business that we were running. And it was so hard for him to keep up with the changes with Facebook. And it, 
you know, I'm assuming it can be done, but it's tough to do it on your own. And so uh, that that first year, and I'm actually not sure if this is a question for Steve or a question for Leslie, but tell me about what happened in your business that first year that you decided to make that investment, for better or worse. I mean, was it was it hard the first couple months? Was was it immediately obvious this was a great decision? Did it did it take mm-hmm. you six months to to think is this actually worth it? I mean, like what what happened that that first year that you decided to actually make a you know pretty serious financial investment into into marketing your business with platform? Yeah, it, it was a huge investment, and and I knew every step along the way. Leslie was super uncomfortable with it because. Not only is she, you know, she's just a super frugal person in life, right? Like, do we really need that? She's just naturally that way. And then when we go from literally spending $0 in advertising, like maybe we spent $250 to put her picture in the school, like newsletter or something, but you know, that's really not even it. But so I told her, I said, we need to ride this out for a year. Like, I know this is like, this is so strategic of a thing that I need you to promise me a year. And she's like, I'll give it six months. And I'm like, okay, let's do nine months. You know, so we had some late night arm wrestling with, with negotiations on this stuff. I finally got her to agree to nine months and it took a while to get started. You know, there's, there's a lot to learn on our end from like, filming the videos and how to interact with the people that we're getting leads from. And so there was a lot of learning with that, that she had to do by herself. Cause you know, I was still employed full-time in law enforcement, you know, had long hours, sometimes call outs, like things like that would happen. And so that's why I could only do it super late at night and early into the morning hours. So I did get her to give me nine months at probably about that nine month point, I think with the, with the expense of platform plus our ad spend is when we broke even. Is that about right, Les? I'm not sure about that, but I do know. It certainly, it certainly wasn't profitable. We can say within the first 90 days. Absolutely. No. And there was one point I went to him and, you know, we were doing our videos and that was great. Like it was awesome for my sphere that I was already working. And this is back in 2016. Um, and so I, you know, I was starting to get recognized and staying top of mind through videos and retargeting and all of that program was working so awesome with my personal business fear, Sophia that I was working, but we were also getting all these leads in from the platform system, which was amazing as well. But I just by myself was, I mean, I just went to Steven and was like, we got to do something. We have all these leads that are coming in and I'm sucking it up. Like I'm not talking to any of them and I just don't have time. Like we either need to turn this off, stop spending the money or figure out something. But it, like I say, it was so good for my organic growth that we hated to turn it off. So what ultimately happened was I said, well, why don't we get somebody to work these leads? And then we don't have to turn off, you know, get stop platform because it's doing so well for my sphere. So I had a, um, an assistant transaction coordinator at the time. And I just looked to her and I said, 
you know what, you, you understand what we're doing here. You're helping us. I think you would be awesome at this. She had never considered real estate, had no, um, she had a little bit of a real estate background, but hadn't done it in a long time, never been an agent. And I just said, I, I think you've got what it takes. Will you get your license and start working these leads for me so that we don't lose all of them, you know, so we can have kind of the best of both worlds here. And so that's what ended up happening. And she got licensed. She started working all of our platform leads. I continued to work the sphere. We continued to do all the videos and the marketing and the retargeting. And that's how our business started growing. And then after she was busy working the leads, then another agent came on, same thing. And then another agent came on. So we had three pretty soon. And then about a year later, we added another one And now we're getting, we just added two other agents this week because my four original agents, um, three of them were working mostly leads to get started. They got to the point where they are about two to three years in where I was at, where it was great for their sphere, but they've got now repeat clients, referrals. And so they're not working the follow-up and the leads. um, They're starting to build their own, their own, their own book of business, essentially. Yep. Absolutely. So now we're bringing on um, new agents to start that whole process over again. And so you didn't really have this master plan of like, we're going to build a brokerage and a big team. It kind of just happened because after, you know, it sounds like after about nine months or so of the platform marketing program, you were so overwhelmed with the amount of referrals you're getting from your sphere and keeping up with the kind of organic growth of your business while also basically just not having enough time to follow up with all the leads that were coming in that you just kind of like, well, I guess the next step is we need to add someone to the team. So before we talk about that, because I think that's a really interesting evolution in your business, would you guys just mind sharing like in your own words, what, uh, what, what is the platform marketing program? Because there's probably a lot of realtors listening to this right now that have maybe heard of it, but they're not really familiar. Like what exactly is it? So how would you describe it in your own words? When you said you signed up for platform or you made the financial you know, investment to join platform, what does that exactly mean for your business? Yeah. So like our understanding of it has actually changed over time um, only because I think, well, I'm not sure. I guess we didn't know fully going in because once I decide on something, I've done all the research, like I'm ready to go. So at first it was to us, it was somebody to run Facebook ads for us. Somebody was going to run Facebook ads for us and we were going to get leads and we were going to call those leads and we were going to get business since then. And I think we have a much more thorough understanding of it now, obviously is it is like a, it is a all encompassing, like, like truly marketing, like, at this point, I feel like, you know, we're not in the real estate business. I feel like we're in the marketing business and we just happen to be marketing real estate. And so it's everything, you know, the, the running the actual ads has almost become just kind of not the main thing anymore. It was which it used to be to us. Now it's the ideas for the ads. It's um, filming videos. It's uh, telling, you know, it's really what you guys have been for us is you've helped us tell our story and you've thought of different ways to help us share the story. 
And whether that's helping other, you know, helping buyers, helping sellers, uh, recruiting agents out of need, um, you know, it's 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 such a all encompassing thing just to minimize. It, it would almost be insulting, I feel like, is if I explained it to someone as like, oh yeah, they run our Facebook ads for us because. Like that to me, that would, if I owned platform, like I would be insulted. But if somebody said like, oh yeah, they run our Facebook ads for us because it's so much more than that. It's a group of agents from around the company, around the country who are all like-minded. Nobody is competing with each other because we all have exclusivity in our market. So everyone shares ideas. You copy each other. You know, you can do so many different things and apply it to your market or, you know, you see they did something and you change it up a little bit to make it better apply to you. And so I think going into it thinking, oh, they just run Facebook ads for us. And all of a sudden it's this huge marketing thing. And, and then we have to like, it was never our plan to grow. It was Leslie was going to work that I was going to be in law enforcement. And we were super comfortable with that. Like we had everything we ever needed. We had more than everything we ever wanted. Like we were doing very well and super happy it, it really, it grew out of necessity. Like we had to have somebody on to help work these and it's just continued to do that. And that's always been, I think Leslie's deep down goal is to help new agents or agents that are struggling or agents that want to take their game to the next level to help them along because that's how she was brought up. You know, she gives a lot of um, credit and love to Joe for bringing her up and taking her under her wing and taking her. Cause without that, she would, you know, definitely not be where she's at today and neither would we as a family or our income, our lifestyle, things like that. So um, just as the agents continue to, you know, they start off, they get going so heavily that they were like her where they need some help. Then we just bring on another agent. They continue to work their sphere, be happy. Like they're really as successful as they want to be. Um, and then we bring on more agents to do that. And it's always her goal to have them meet their, their transaction volumes and everyone um, either met or nearly met. I mean, by like thousands of dollars, maybe not have met like their goals, which are, they were huge goals when they established them. So just to even get that close or to exceed them was a massive thing. So I know I went way off on the rails on that, Tim, but it's just, it's, it's difficult to explain what platform is, but it, because it does so much and there's so much value in everything all together. So it 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 really started. It sounds like of you thought you were signing up for a Facebook leads program. Yep, that's exactly what it was. And it kind of turned into being a lot, a lot, uh, a lot bigger than that. You know, like when I describe people what is platform, I just say, well, it's kind of like hiring your own marketing department. Like rather than going out and feeling like I'm going to hire a full time marketing employee, like someone who has years of industry experience, it's going to be a full time salaried person, which, you know, newsflash is probably not going to be a $15 an hour job. That's going to be a pretty expensive hire. Someone who um, actually knows what they're doing, you know, with, uh, with, uh, marketing, we say, well, you can hire, you know, a full-time employee to do all this for you and help you grow, or you can just hire a platform. So it's kind of like having a marketing department, right. Um, versus just, versus just Facebook leads. So I just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening. If we keep mentioning platform and you have absolutely no idea what they're talking about, 
Um, that's what the platform marketing program is. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry, Tim. I was just going to say, we went from thinking we were just going to get a few extra leads here and there and get some help with, um, with our Facebook lead program to now having seven families in within our brokerage that have all, you know, their lives have significantly changed because of the, you know, income production that they're able to do for their families. And our goal this year at our company is to help a hundred families purchase or sell homes this year. So we went from just one individual to being able to help so many more people, which is it's life-changing for all of us. Um, and we're so appreciative of that. Well, you know, when we, you know, like when, when we started, as you said, you kind of viewed it as Facebook leads, like, oh, I'm joining this platform program because they'll help me get, uh, they'll help me get more leads on Facebook. Right. But the actuality is when you, when you join, you realize like, well, we'll edit all of your videos, like as many videos as you can film in a month, we'll edit and launch all your videos. We'll tell you what retargeting ads to run. We'll set up all of your, um, all of your uh, Facebook ad funnels to get buyer leads or to get seller leads to help you promote your listings. It's it's like having a full blown a full blown marketing department, right? So my question for you, and again, I'm not sure if this is a question even for uh, for Steve or for Leslie, is what what prompted you maybe at a deeper like psychological level or a deeper emotional level when you were at that point where you were already selling, you know, it sounds like 20, 25 homes a year pretty much organically, like you weren't having to spend any money on marketing because you just built up your sphere and referrals to the point that, you know, you were selling 20, 25 homes a year, which probably means you're making a six figure income um, doing that. What made you feel that, you know what, I want to finally invest some money in marketing and take this to the next level? Because essentially, I don't, I don't think I'll be fulfilled if I keep making this amount of money or keep selling this amount of homes for the rest of my life. Because the truth is a lot of agents would love to be in that position. They, 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 they pray for, you know, the outcome of, oh, I'd love to sell 25 homes a year because they're only selling seven or they're selling 11 homes a year. And yet you got to that point and you decided now is when I want to invest and take my business to another level because I want to sell 30 or 40 or 50 homes a year, not, not 20. Um, what made you get to that point, you know, like I said, maybe psychologically or emotionally where even though you were already successful, right, from the outside looking in, that you decided, you know what, let's make this financial investment because we think we can do even better. I would say being okay with where we're at is never something that enters our mind. We're always looking to the next best thing? How can we be more successful? How can we do more? That's just ingrained in us. Um, and so we never feel like we've reached the point where we're like, okay, this is the top. This is good. So, um, I think part of that is also securing your future of yes, organically we're to this point, which is great, but who knows if that's going to happen again next year and the next year. So um, really solidifies our foundation is what prompted us to keep continuing to move forward as well. What have been some of the most successful ads that you've run? I mean, let's get really into some of the tangible specifics here. You know, when we, when we talk about the marketing campaigns you have run, whether it's videos you've done or lead generation ads, like what, what has seemed to really make the biggest difference for you, whether it's in terms of generating leads or videos that have gotten tens of thousands of views, 
looking back over the last couple of years that you've been running this platform marketing program, what are just a couple of the high points of, you know, of, of like, wow, this particular ad or that particular ad seemed to work really, really well? You know, there's two, there's two results of ads. There's two different types of ads. I mean, there's actually a lot, but you know, we kind of quantify them into two. Um, one is for like actual tangible lead generation. Like somebody pops up in your system is like, okay, they want to buy a house. Let's, let's give them a call or they've called us. And the other one is um, what more, what people would traditionally consider like marketing, like you're just getting your name out there and people see who you are, like you're telling stories about yourself. And so I think generally the most successful ones have been those type of, you know, I think we call it like a fuzzy ROI where people get to know you. Um, it's not all about, Hey, house for sale, come see it. And then you blast that out to 10,000 people in your area and they see it. And if they're not interested in it, then they don't give it a second look. If they are interested in it, it's just not right for them because it doesn't have a pool or whatever where people, where you can where you can really get people involved and in kind of looking at you is by telling personal stories. So whether that's a, something that happened to you or something that happened to your child, um, you know, it's, it could be a positive, it could be a negative, it could be a challenge, it could be a win. Um, just telling those stories because people like to hear stories, you know, that's why they watch movies. That's why they read books. Um, that's why they watch television. They watch a story play out in front of them. And you can do that through video. You can do that through text. I've always been a big writer. I like to write things out. Um, and it's just a strength, a natural strength of mine. I don't have many, but that is one of them. I, I have to say that. <laughs> but, you know, telling those stories and when people read those stories, they see those things in themselves or they've been in those similar situations. And when they see that, they start to identify with you and you get a little bit vulnerable in their stories. And people say, oh man, that's a real human being. That's not just some polished, perfect person that's always smiling and, and talking about how successful they are, how they sold another house or there's another listing. You know, they're a mom, they're a dad, they're a parent. Um, who has challenges, their parent who has wins, um, you know, all those types of things draw people in and they start to understand like, man, that person is just like me. I'd get along with them because their son plays baseball too, or, you know, their daughter is, uh, is doing great in cheerleading or, you know, whatever the story is, or they had a hard week this week because, um, you know, the kids are worn out or, or, you know, their dog passed the kid, away. The kid spent a lot of money on Fortnite. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mama got protective of, uh, of him when that happened. But yeah, I mean, just stuff that people can identify with. And all you're doing is you're telling a story about yourself. You have to get comfortable doing that. And people are like, oh, wow, these, they're human. They're just like me. And then when they, yep, I actually, I, uh, I actually, as you're saying all this, Steve, I remember a retargeting ad uh, that we ran that was a video that you had just filmed kind of like screaming from the sideline as like the happy father when your son caught like a deep bomb of a touchdown pass in like flag football. Yep. And you happened to be, you know, filming that play. It was this big lofting, you know, 
big lofting pass and he just caught it in stride and ran for, you know, I'm not sure how big the field is in flag football, but if it was the NFL equivalent, it would have been like an 80 yard touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Bomb, right? yeah. And he just runs the whole way. And then you typed up this really cool post about how you've trained him. You know, once you have the ball and you're running, never look back at the defenders only look forward. And he's running the whole time. You can just tell once he caught it, that like primal instinct kicked in and he just like turned on the afterburners and he's just like sprinting. He scored a touchdown on the play. And we ran that as a retargeting ad. And that's an example of what you're talking about, kind of this, this fuzzy ROI, because marketing can be boiled down to just two steps. It's like get, you know, first step is get someone to click on some sort of lead generation ad that actually is related to buying or selling a house, you know, some free report of homes or information about a listing or information about an open house you have coming up, whatever, some sort of ad that by clicking on it, it proves that that person is interested in the, you know, somewhat near future, maybe in the next year or whatever about buying or selling a house because now they're on your retargeting list. Step two is just show interesting things to them with retargeting ads that have sometimes absolutely nothing to do with buying or selling a house. And this ad is an example of that step two of retargeting, where once we know that they've clicked on some sort of you know new listing ad or open house or a free report of all the homes in the area that have a fenced-in backyard or whatever the ad is that we happen to be promoting, now they're on that retargeting database and we can run you know what's called a retargeting ad to them. And the only purpose is to keep you guys top of mind, Yep. right? The only purpose is we just want to prove that with all this content that, you know, again, seemingly has nothing to do with real estate. We're just proving that you guys are cool, cool people and you're just like them. It's like, hey, we have kids. They they play sports. You know, uh, you know, we go on family vacations. We have family fights. We have family movie nights. We blah, 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 blah. Right. You're just sharing some of the stuff that you honestly normally would post on your personal social media pages and you put the social back into social media with your advertisements. So I think a lot of your most successful ads that you've run to kind of get at this idea of fuzzy ROI that you were talking about, a lot of your most successful ads don't don't really look anything like ads. Right. Like that would pop up in someone's newsfeed. It's like, oh, this is a home video of a dad screaming, cheering for his son who just scored a touchdown in flag football. This doesn't look like an ad. It has nothing to do with real estate. There's no call to action at the end of like, P.S., if you want to buy a house, click here to, you know, for our website. You know, it's just, yeah. it's the type of thing you would personally post on your social media, but the cumulative effect over time of constantly putting out, you know, content like that, of sharing, you know, uh, just those family moments, those family memories, it humanizes you, right? And people kind of feel like they're getting to know you over time. Yeah, absolutely. And there was no master plan with that video. That was just me being a dad recording it. And then I recorded it and I'm like, man, he's actually listening to the things I'm telling him. I'm so proud of him. And that was originally just a post on my personal feed. And then you're like, dude, that's an awesome post. You should totally run that as an ad. And I'm like, oh, I really should. That I guess that would be really good. And that's like, you know, it was just capturing a moment in everyday life. Yeah, and those ads, those ads work really well precisely because they don't look like ads. Right. Right. And I think you've you've been able to provide um that that marketing strategy to your agents too that have joined that have joined your team. Because it often starts out like, hey, join my team. The value proposition is that, you know, I'll feed you leads because part of platform obviously is, yeah, you are generating leads around the clock. You're getting hundreds of new leads 
every month. But eventually what happens is someone gets that like critical mass in their business. You know, they hit escape velocity, right? Where they don't necessarily need leads every, every day or every week or every month. And at that point you start running some more of those personal ads for them too. Like the uh, retargeting ads that help, you know, build their book of business and help people feel like they're getting, they're getting to know them. Like you're helping them edit their videos too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And we've got agents that are like two years in that are like, can you turn the ads off for me? Because I'm so busy with other stuff. I just can't handle new things coming in. And I mean, these are agents that are two years in and like, they're at about a hundred, a hundred thousand GCI. Like, you know, it, yeah, I was actually going to say you, uh, you uh, told me in a previous conversation that, you know, you have multiple agents on your team that are making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's really noteworthy because a lot of people, when they build a team, I mean, no one ever says this out loud. This is never how they word it, but often the motivation for a successful agent building a team is like, well, I just want to bring on a team member who can basically take all the scraps from the table, all the leads I don't really want to work with. I'll just give them to them. Right. And if they make $30,000 a year or, you know, $40,000 a year, I don't really care because I just need someone to take the leads that I don't want to work with. <laughs> and it's kind of like, that's, that's just kind of what I want. You don't really care about their career development or their building their book of business. You just want them as almost like a release valve. So you don't have to work as much. You guys do not have that mentality at all. You have multiple agents on your team that are making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And just that's really impressive. Yeah, and just a note on that, they don't have any expenses. We pay almost every one of their expenses. So they don't pay any marketing um at all. So that is what we are, you know, tr try to provide to our agents that they yeah. can skip all of the um you know, obstacles that we went through when we were getting started and then just going straight to, you know, by year two or three, my goal is for all of our agents to be making a hundred thousand with as little expenses as possible. Um, and as highest quality of life that they can be making that they can have. So what do you think is the biggest mistake that agents make when they're early on, maybe in their first, in their first year or two that, you know, as, as someone who loves to mentor agents, because I know that that's, that's why you're building a team. That's part of it is that you actually uh, intrinsically enjoy mentoring and coaching agents. What is a big mistake that you see them making of maybe why they're, why they don't grow their business faster? Because a lot of agents, right, they take like five, 10 years to ramp up to, you know, even making a hundred thousand dollars a year. And you obviously did all of that a lot a lot quicker. You've learned a lot of things along the way. What is, if, if, if you could narrow it down to one thing, what is you, what is the biggest mistake you see early agents making like beginning agents? It's that roller coaster of marketing sales, follow-up lead generation, and you're building, building, and then you're working, you know, then you have a bunch of contracts and you're working a bunch of clients and then you're at the top and then you're not doing any kind of marketing strategy. So then that goes back down and then you have to build back up again. And so that is what we're trying to do is to have the continuous marketing strategy happening all the time in the background that the agents are not having to worry about. Like we say, show up here, we're going to film this video. They show up in an hour and, you know, do what they need to do. And then we continue the rest of the process in the background. And then, so they could just be out showing houses, selling, writing contracts, um, continuously. So taking that part off of the agent, the marketing structure is what keep allows them to level out and not go up and down and up and down, which is what you see 
constantly with a traditional agent is why it takes so long to level out those peaks and valleys. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned that last year, you know, we're not sure on the specific amount, but I know that you guys, uh, you know, filmed and produced and launched out over 60 videos last year alone. And obviously that's an average of over five videos a month. And part of that reason is because you don't have to edit your videos. You don't have to publish your videos or, you know, handle any of that uploading or processing um, because the marketing team is doing that, is doing that for you. You know, what, what has, what, what has been maybe a, a driving force of uh, how your marketing has evolved in the last two or three years? Cause I know like what you spend your time doing now, you know, in 2020 and 2021 is not really the marketing necessarily that you're doing in 2017, 2018. So how has your marketing even changed in the last couple of years? That's a good question. Um, I, I almost feel like we're getting more into, like I mentioned earlier, the storytelling of what's going on. Like for us specifically in the brokerage, now sometimes we're just, we're getting into storytelling about the brokerage itself, about the success of some of the agents that they've had. You know, we've got, um, you know, a lot of it is really just, just that the storytelling, the less looking like ads, the less amount of times we would ever say, like, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, call us. Like, we're just trying to stay out of that. You know, some of that is necessary. You got to give people a call to action. They have to know what to do, but really it's, um, I feel like we're at the point now where we feel like we're doing a lot of more branding type stuff as we grow. Sure. So. Sure. Kind of that like fuzzy ROI, long-term, long-term branding where there's not as much lead generation or direct calls to action, but you know that it's going to result in more referrals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we, we tell our story and people that, um, people are more naturally drawn to who we are, the more they see that. And there's very, you know, you get less and less, um, clients or agents that are interested that, you know, might not be quite the match, like a personality match, if that makes sense. So, you know, we'll help anybody and, and we, uh, we love helping everyone, but you know, it just, the more people get to know you, the people that feel like they're like you, or they've had similar experiences in life, they're just naturally attracted to you and what you've got going on. And so that makes, um, you know, I see our agents becoming more and more friends with clients, like literally like, Hey, they were my client two years ago and we're going to hang out with our kids again. Cause we're like best friends. Now we see a lot more of that with just, um, you know, the, almost like the matchmaking that's going on. So the, the marketing has kind of evolved almost to the point where it's no longer just about generating a lead, but the marketing is kind of facilitating you actually getting to know people. Right. Yes, 100%. Continuing to build that trust. Yeah, I mean everyone it's 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 uh, it's funny cuz everyone talks about that, right? Oh, marketing is all about trust. It's all about getting to know your customers and bonding, but like you guys have actually done that. Like you actually are building a sphere for yourself and a brand for your business. And I think the real proof of your expertise, the real proof that you've mastered this 
is that you not only did it for yourself, you did it for the agents that have joined your team. Like you're helping them build their own brands and their own book of business. So, you know, it proves that you didn't just get lucky, right? You were actually able to repeat that process for other people with just as good of results, which is, which is really impressive. So I want to ask you a couple specific questions here um, about the marketing, just in case people are wondering what it is like that you do on, you know, a day-to-day -day basis, uh, a specific um, look at the marketing itself. So like on a, on a given month, it doesn't have to be the exact dollar amount, but on a, on a given month, what are you guys approximately spending on online ads on Facebook ads? Actual ad spend, probably anywhere from 900 to 12, maybe as high as 1400 some months, um, just depending on what we've got going on, how busy the market is, things like that. Okay, so you're probably maybe spending twelve thousand to fifteen thousand dollars a year on actual Facebook ads. Yep, that would be accurate. Something like that. And how many total transactions did the did the overall team do last year? Like the brokerage, eighty three, eighty three transactions. Awesome. So you did over eighty transactions, fueled by let's just call it fifteen thousand dollars of advertising spend. Uh, and that created over $700,000 in total GCI. Correct. Is that, is that right? Yep. That's a really fantastic return on investment. Yes. And you, you, you don't have a lot of high fixed expenses. I think that's the important piece that so many agents miss. They maybe attend a training about building a mega team or this or that, and they get really ambitious and they hear these impressive gross revenue numbers or how many team members someone has. And they they just start adding, adding, and adding. Whether it's adding team members, paid assistants, you know, transaction coordinators, buyers agents, full time ISAs, this marketing program, that marketing program, you know, and all of a sudden the the top line numbers can look good and they can look impressive. But then you look at all your expenses and it's like, well, your net take home didn't really go up all that much because your expenses were just increasing right along with your income. You guys have figured out that sweet spot in your business where you're running extremely profitable high margin business where expenses are very low um, and you're, you know, you and your team are selling over 80 homes uh, a year. And I you know, guarantee that you guys will break over a hundred homes this year, if not 150 at the pace you guys are going. Um, but your expenses aren't necessarily increasing proportionally with that, which is obviously, which is obviously a good thing. Right. Yeah. Our expenses increase when we bring more agents on. I mean, I think most people would run, I would say most brokerages run possibly even leaner than we run as far as expenses, but we just have a different concept of our agents. Like our goal is to do, like we do as much as we can. We spend as much as we can on them to make sure that they are freed up to sell houses because that's what they're best at. They should not be spending time, you know, the less time they spend filling out paperwork, the better. I mean, these are all technically, those are hourly jobs that you could sub out. And when you look at that agents, like per hour rate, they're very, very, very expensive paper filler outer. So, you know, we'll pay for um, all sorts of things. We pay for their signs. We pay for their business cards. We pay for all the marketing, all the editing, obviously. We pay for um, 
equipment. Uh, yeah, all the equipment, all the video equipment we use, which is really phones and some microphones, things like that. But, you know, we have to start adding those up the more agents we bring yep. on. Um, yep. And, you know, we do quarterly um, like date nights, like with them and their families, their husbands or their wives to keep everyone close together because everyone's friends um, outside of their work relationship with each other. So we spend a ton of money on that stuff. We could run way leaner, but we just want to, we want the agents to be freed up what they're best at doing. And that's selling homes. That's negotiating things. And we'll take care of the rest. Like we're even getting this year. We've just started that we're paying for a transaction coordinator for them for, um, depending on the type of transaction it is where it comes from like we're that's an added expense we're taking on because i'd rather pay that expense than have them spend you know multiple hours filling out paperwork when they could be calling leads or showing houses and doing the things they love to do so and you're obviously going to make that you know make that back in the long term success of your brand and the long term profits because this isn't something that shows up you know, in the next 90 days or even in the next six months. But one thing that a lot of, you know, agents run into if they add some team members over time and they start, you know, building that team, building that brokerage is people leave, right? They'll get a better deal somewhere else and they'll feel like, oh, I'm going to make a slightly better commission split or they're offering me a signing bonus if I go somewhere else or whatever. And then agents leave and you're, you're, you're playing the long game where you're adding so much more value to your agent's that stay with you by paying for all of their marketing, providing them leads, editing all of their videos, helping them build a true book of business that, you know, yeah, you know, you have to spend a little money now, but in the long run, you make more than that back because of loyalty. You don't really have to worry about, you know, your team and your business being a revolving door of constantly hiring and bringing on new agents because you had people leave, you know, and are there going to be some people who leave? Yeah, totally. You'll always have some people who leave. But I think you guys have proven that there is a way to do it um, that is certainly an improvement over what is maybe the status quo in the industry of like building a team that's just a revolving door every year. Absolutely. We hope that we have, an, a, you know, showing our agents enough value that they, you know, are in it with us for the long haul because that's how we feel about them. Um, we are so loyal to our agents and they are, you know, in reciprocal as well because they're so important to us and we want to be, you know, an integral part of their business as well. Um, it's been, you know, amazing for me to see, you know, where I started with Joe bringing me on as a 22 year old, never purchased a home, giving me leads to get me started. And so now it's full circle um, for me that I'm able to do that for agents and then to get those agents to where they're only working their spheres and how to do that and how to maintain that. And then getting to start the process over again. We also have a profit sharing um, program within our brokerage as well. So those agents, you know, once they've been with us for a while and they decide to bring on other agents, then they get to share in that, um, those profits as well. So it's just a continued growth pattern. Um, so, you know, hoping to have our agents for years and years to come. And a lot of it is fueled by marketing because, hey, this is a marketing podcast, so I have to bring it full circle, right? A lot of that is a lot of that is fueled by marketing because I think that's kind of your magic ingredient is that lots of brokers try to recruit people all the time or people building a team try to recruit and they talk about the value of mentoring and the value of, you know, coaching. And I mean, the truth is most of them aren't doing that. I know you are. Everyone says they 
do mentoring and coaching. You guys are actually doing that. And on top of that, you're providing a full stack, you know, a full stack marketing program that frankly, if any other agents tried to sign up for elsewhere would cost them, you know, over a thousand dollars a month, not a thousand dollars a year, but probably over a thousand dollars a month is what they would be spending to try to replicate the marketing value that, that you're driving for them. Yeah. And she, you know, Leslie has done a great job of kind of putting her money where her mouth is on, on that in the sense that she doesn't take on new clients anymore. You know, any transactions she does handle are like long-term clients that like will literally only work with her, but anyone else that comes in, even referrals from other people, she will, you know, she'll play matchmaker. Like which one of my agents will mesh best with this personality of this person. Um, and she'll play matchmaker and those go directly to her agents. It's, it's, uh, and she does that not so she can work less, but she's doing that so she can shift her focus from handling transactions. You know, the, her agents are her clients now, not her buyers. Yeah, I mean, buyers really, really moving, moving out of production and really becoming like the CEO of your business. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, we truly are a marketing firm that happens to sell houses. Like our marketing through platform is our secret sauce um, from recruiting and from a client standard because our agents are so specialized in negotiations and buying um, and selling houses. And, you know, the market's so hot right now of how to find a house for our buyers to buy and how to write contracts for them to win. Um, They're not worried about, marketing or where am I going to get the next client or, um, how, you know, setting up a client appreciation party and all these other things that a typical agent is having to focus on every single day. Um, that is why our agents are so high quality for our clients is because they are highly specialized in doing the job that the client's hiring them to do. Yeah. They're, they're actually spending more time doing the job of being a realtor and serving those clients because they don't have to spend a bunch of time building out their marketing campaigns because you're handling all of that for them. Absolutely. Through platform. Yeah. So, you know, what is, uh, what's exciting looking forward for the next year? You know, you've obviously grown your business to this point. You're extremely successful. You know, there was over $700,000 in team GCI last year, over 80 transactions, you know, a lot of that being fueled by only $15,000 that you spent on ads to create $700,000 in GCI. What's next? Like what, what new marketing initiatives or new marketing strategies are you excited to roll out uh, in the next year? So we are really doing, doing a shift from telling the brokerage's story or like Leslie and my story into telling each individual agent's story across our platforms. So what I mean by that is, you know, we have agents that are asking us to turn off or turn down the number of leads they receive because they're building their own sphere business. And so not to keep them out of what we're doing in order to not do that, we want to start telling their personal stories of what's going on. So you'll see a lot more, um, either videos or photos accompanied by stories about them where they can start telling their individual stories. Um, You know, I think they're already noticed as being, um, 
like they're already being recognized just through their listings, but now people are really going to start to meet them and hear their stories in our marketing um, programs. We've got some really cool agents and they all have some really neat stories. They have, you know, interesting family circumstances or they have interesting business situations, all those types of things you'll start to hear more about them. So we're shifting the focus from like us as a brokerage onto our agents and really making our agents kind of their own individual celebrities um, because they're to that point where they've got a bunch of clients and they can start telling those stories about themselves. So, and I think we're, as we learn from those even we'll start rolling that out even earlier to our new agents of having them tell their stories. And that's just, we've, it's taken us time to realize that that's necessary. And so we're really putting that into high gear to shift our focus to that. So um, people really do start to track them down instead of them trying to track down people or clients or leads. So yeah, you know, so really your your marketing strategy at a high level is becoming less top-down, less centralized, and it's becoming more decentralized and grassroots where not everything is branding, you know, you two or the brokerage as a whole, but you're individually branding the agents to their individual spheres um, to help them build their own, uh, you know, individual brand, to use that word again. Um, helping them, you you know, helping them uh, develop a book of business that's not about Astra Realty or the brokerage or the team, but it truly makes them feel like more of the entrepreneur that they are. Right, absolutely, and you know, highlighting their individual specialties. Some of them like to sell condos. Some like farm and ranch. Others like single family residences. You know, whatever they're into, we want to highlight those things. Um, you know, some are like super sports moms, you know, and, and they can speak to the other super sports moms that are out there. And really, you know, that takes a lot. I think a lot of brokerages don't do that because um, they're more concerned about the brokerage than they are about the individual agent, you know, advertising themselves or marketing themselves. And, and that does create some, some sense of vulnerability. Like, well, if, if we help them build their own business, they're going to go out on their own and do it on their own. What if they leave? Yeah, right. exactly. And um, one, we always are thinking of what can we do to add value to keep them happy and keep them around? Because obviously that's just, that's good for us and it's good for them. The more stability they have, the better, you know, and if somebody chooses to leave and do their own thing, it's, it's one of those things that we can sit back and say, you know, while well, we're sad to see you leave, um, we love the fact that you've built such a you know, you've built such a business for yourself that you feel that comfortable in doing that. But, you know, obviously that's not ideal because they're having to change. We're having to change. But if we can just, that's something that we're always racking our brains on is every, nearly every conversation we have, at least once a day, we're talking about what else can we do for agents? Or we see something and we're like, oh, we should totally sell, tell Lacey to do this. We should tell Sherry to do that. And we got to make sure we schedule the videos for Lindsay, you know, like whatever it is, mm -hmm. we're always coming up with the ideas where they, you know, we're always shooting them out ideas and maybe they get annoyed by it. I don't know, but you know, we're, we're just always trying to stay relevant to them because we don't, you know, they're not here for us by any means. We are here for them. Like they are, are our clients. So. You know, it's, it's, it's that classic business maxim, right? Of, you know, what happens if you invest in your team and they become really successful and they leave? 
It's like, well, what happens if you don't invest in them and they never become successful and they stay? Exactly. Like you'd, you'd, you'd way rather have that problem of people becoming so successful that they leave than have the inverse of the problem where they stay, but they never became successful. And it's like, well, why would you want to have a bunch of like below average agents on your team or else what was the point of ever building a team? Like either you, you want to do it with excellence or you just shouldn't have done it at all. And so I really admire the way you're doing it. Cause a lot of, uh, brokerage owners, a lot of team owners, I think don't have the intellectual courage to actually invest in their team members because subconsciously they're just afraid that what if they leave, you know? And so you guys are proving that, 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 that model, uh, that, that model works. Absolutely. Our, you know, I have service clients for my entire career and that mental shift of my agents or my clients is top priority for me. I'm so thankful for my beginning and just, um, happy to see that come around full circle. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining the Platform Marketing Show here. I think your story is really, really interesting. And I think that you're running your business in a unique way where you've been able to grow the GCI and grow the number of transactions every year by always thinking about marketing and being on the leading edge of marketing. I'm, ex I'm really excited to see what you guys do as you continue to grow uh, in this next year. So Steve, Leslie, thank you for joining us. I want to honor your time because I'm sure you probably need to go out uh, and sell a bunch of houses and help your team sell a bunch of houses. So let's talk soon. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having us. It.